The His Girl Friday podcast is brought to you in part by Messenger Fellowship, living the kingdom, fulfilling the call, proclaiming the truth. How's it going, everyone? This is yours truly, Cameron Fry, His Girl Friday, coming at you. A rare Thursday morning edition of the podcast. Normally, I'm cutting these on the weekends, late at night, <laughs> when the kids are wrapped up, put to bed. However, today is a different day. Real quick, just a quick Jubie recap. It's been a while. I haven't been able to do as many pods this year. Hopefully, that changes the next three, four months. Uh, right now, things are going pretty well. June and July were really rough, and that's part of the sort of the lack of volume with the pod, not so much with the posts on our website, but the pods really have taken a hit in part because just not being in a good space to record, having to spend a lot of time at the hospital. Again, June, July were rough months, but uh, Juby's turned a corner in August and we're just, we're taking it day by day. As I've said on here before and to many a colleague at work, church, even neighbors in my neighborhood, we're not, it's not even day by day, it's hour by hour. And it's almost easier to not give in to fear. Even though you are tempted to be anxious, it's almost easier because either the day at hand in the moment is not going well and chances are the day tomorrow will be better. Or, which is sort of the correlate of that Bible verse in Matthew 6, on the flip side... If today is great, you just appreciate what you have. You just stay in the present. If things are going well like they have been most of this month, stay in the moment, stay in the present, and be engaged in it. And really don't you know, be so worried about what may come around the corner, any, you know, especially what you can't see. Don't look for what you can't see. I, I imagine some people out there listening to this needed to hear that line as it applies to your circumstances. And I, I know it sounds... Like I'm oversimplifying. You can't binary these unique hardships and situations. However, for the most part, it's it's been a formula that's worked for me. Sometimes you have to embrace the simplicity, you know, either left or right. A lot of intersections we come to, we have a choice to make. There's there's many options, but there's two primary options. Left or right, which way am I gonna go? Blue pill, red pill. Which one am I going to take? And I don't have any emotional bandwidth or margin to be nervous and apprehensive about tomorrow of what might happen to Juby. Uh, the paralytic reset that was started in mid-July has, for the most part, worked, and we're seeing the fruit. She's engaged. I mean, for three weeks leading into this month, she was just, you know, obviously knocked out, like not responsive. I mean, she was breathing, of course, but she's completely relying on the vent and... It was hard just being there because you could, you know, you're praying over someone who doesn't, who can't recognize that you're there. But there's almost some, and this is not the direction I intended this pod to go, but there's some metaphors certainly to bookmark in this conversation day. And really this, that's what this pod is. It's a, it's a conversation. I know it's me talking to you. And if you're listening to this, I really appreciate you taking the time to dial in. But I really want it to be a conversation where there's more engagement, uh, not just comments per se, but um, you know, hopefully something is stirred within. 
and we can have a conversation that leads to prayer. How Liz and I can pray for you, better pray for you. But today I want to talk about two chapters in Matthew, chapter 8 and chapter 14. We're going to look at Jesus walking on water. This does tie into Lissa's sermon. I know she wouldn't call it that, but she got the opportunity to share Sunday morning at the Gate to Community Church, our local fellowship in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, July 31st. And this message that God put in her heart to share, it, it was so right for the time. I mean, she, she felt like she needed to share what I'm about to tell you as we're going through the chaos, not just waiting for the Jubilee journey to subside, to end, to conclude. We felt She felt like she needed to get up there and, and share in the moment as we're walking through it. And I, you know, it's funny. We're three days removed from Juby turning one. It's hard to believe. And really, we're past the one-year mark of knowing that something was wrong with the pregnancy. That was August 3rd of last year. So we're officially past that point. It's the first pod, you know, on the side of the line. So, and what Liz shared about this account, you know, Jesus uh, walking on the water and Peter summoning the courage to respond to him. This is Matthew 14, 22 through 33, if you want to turn in your, in your Bibles or Bible apps. This was actually a word that I had spoken to legacy youth five, six years ago. Now, she added some layers, obviously different context driving the message. So it was just interesting how in different seasons, God stirs something up within. And you come back to it with a completely different insight, revelation. And it speaks to a whole new demographic of people. I just love how the, the Lord operates. It's like he fixes our eyes to this revelation, this insight that he gives us, and then he brings us back to it a few years later. And it's like, wow, it, it almost seems like you're reading it for the first time, but it's really more that you're getting something new and fresh out of that passage. So all that context aside, we're at six minutes here. I'm just going to jump in here. So I wrote this post a week ago. So just know that some of the date stamps that I mentioned, they, they actually maybe, you know, the past tense to about 168 hours ago, but it's all good. Again, Juby has been oscillating on her paralytic the past 40 hours of the night. So really she's, Nine days into this positive momentum, positive direction. She was in a dire situation, and we're taking any baby step progress we can get at this point, and the arrow is trending up. But for the most part, and I know what I've said in the past few minutes, I still feel like I'm riding a fine line, spiritually speaking. Despite the fact that I have found the sweet spot, it's almost like if you're eating a cinnamon roll and only the, the middle part, the core was good, but everything else wasn't. That's kind of how I feel in the spirit, if that makes sense. Or maybe I could put it more plainly. I just feel very hollow and numb right now. Even though things are trending in the right direction, I feel hollow and numb. It's like I'm threading the needle between supernatural protection and self-preservation. The supernatural protection, what I mean by that is just feeling God's presence specifically as it just like, hey, I'm not going to worry about Juby. Whatever happens, happens. It's not relativism, it's more like, God, I trust you that regardless of what the outcome is, even if I don't like it, you have a plan and purpose in it. Like that, I'm just anchored in that. And that's why it's not hard for me a couple times a week. To, and even now I do this. Lord, I submit Juby in your hands. What other option do I have? You boss this life. You're the author and orchestrator of this life. 
and we brought to existence by a microcosm of your love, a love so deep for us, expressed in covenant and voila, you know, it's, we have this glorious life and it's been like Apollo 13 in many ways because of just, you know, you go in the, in her pod and it's just all these bells and whistles going off a lot of times and there's a lot of lights flashing and you're just like, oh man, we're just trying to get you home. How do we get you home? It, it seems like, again, there's just a lot of audibles being called in chaos and we're having to improvise with the nurses and the medical team at Vanderbilt. But God's been good a lot of, you know, a lot of times. He's good all the time, but in, in terms of me being able to respond to it, certainly there's some down days. Oftentimes I feel like, yes, you're right there. I got this. Thank you for having my back and being so sovereign. I miss the process, miss the journey. And self-preservation is sort of the opposite when I'm just, again, I'm so numb. It's like, God, I know you're there, but right now I just need to just crawl in bed and kind of just tune out the fear and maybe in a different way. And I feel it when I'm with people. I just feel like I'm not dead inside. I feel like we abuse that term, but You know, just the accrual of uh, not heartbrokenness, just fatigue. I just am very fatigued. And sometimes it does have a way of warping your perspective towards the negative on certain days when things aren't going right. When, whether it's me or whether it's Liz, one of us are in the pit and we're just, we're needing our hand to be held, even if we're having to reach up for it. So it's not hard for me to routinely release Juby into God's hands. And anchor trust into in God's heart. Anchor surrender and yield to trust, I should say. But there's depressive thoughts that come in in the picture every now and then. The slope is slippery as the need for thought captivation increases. For from the God, you know, am I somehow the hold up to Juby being fully healed? Is it because of my sin? Which sound like wow, that's an archaic mindset. But it still pops up time to time. Maybe am I not doing something? Am I not taking something captive specifically? Am I not being the man of the house? Like somehow this is tied to me. You know, have I in my life in any way extended this curse that now is manifesting physically? Like it seems like a stretch. But I'm telling you, like when you're a parent going through this, or you know you're, you have a loved one whose life is on the line day in and day out, you just it eats away a piece of you. It's like, Lord, I need your peace to shine. I need, you know, I feel like my peace is constantly trying to be stolen away from me. And we don't help ourselves out by entertaining these thoughts. They're going to they're gonna pop up, but what do we do with them is the question. And there's some more basic rudimentary, uh, not rudimentary, um, I guess elementary, like more topical in the moment, conditional thoughts. Like, you know, I wish I could go back to student pastoring again, but not here, not at the gate, not not in Tennessee, somewhere far away. Just wanting to relocate and reset. I know that it's totally self-centered because you're wanting to manufacture this refreshment that you feel like you need or feel like would benefit you and, and then by proxy, the rest of the family. It's like, man, things were not so complicated, I feel like, you know, five, six, seven years ago. And even when our family was young, and you know, I just feel like it wasn't, the amount of troubleshooting and just, yeah, I mean, and it, things are a lot more complicated these days. 
And I think that's why sometimes the numbness increases because we need like an offset. We need something to balance out the chaos. Still every hour is one at a time, laced with opportunity to say no to fear and say yes to higher alternatives. And there's some basic ways we can do that. For me lately, it's been uptaking Caleb Radio Play, you know, looking at or pinch watching uh, footage of Joy Dawson and uh, Lauren Cunningham with YWAM. With Joy Dawson recently passing, it's just been a natural prompt to explore the messages on there. It's like, oh yeah, YWAM is a channel. Excellent. Let me just punch Satan in the face by dialing into these. It's it's yes, it's it's increased word exposure, but sometimes it's those auxiliary uh, worship vehicles. And there's, you know, like I said, last Sunday, Liz had the opportunity to share, and that's really what got the wheels turning. I couldn't quench the goosebumps as she was delivering this message. Matthew 14, 22, again, storybook next to Jesus, head of the second Sea of Galilee cameo. And I couldn't help but picture myself with Jesus in this moment. You know, six chapters before Matthew 8, 22 to 27, Jesus had demonstrated his power over the water in the boat. If you look at Matthew 8, he cleanses a leper. You have the faith of centurion. Jesus heals many. Uh, the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus calms a storm. In the middle of all this, his healing power, I, I think the disciples probably were like, where does he get this? Uh, but clearly this is a man like no other. Let's follow him. He calms a storm. He's in the boat. They're freaking out in that first sea of Galilee account. Uh, he woke up and rebuked the wind. And there was a great calm. The men said, what sort of man is this? That even the winds and sea obey him. Then he feeds the 5,000. I know I'm skipping a couple key other parts. I mean, I know there's more healings, you know, demons, paralytic, which, wow, I, I, I go back to the paralytic. Um, and girl was toward life. A lot of physical healings, a lot of physical demonstrations of his power. And then you have Matthew 14, where Jesus is not in the boat this time. He's outside of it, but he had intentionally taken the time to pray and reset into the Father following the feeding of the 5,000. There was a lot more people he could have healed, but he chose not to. And he could, you know, that's the thing. I don't, and I don't want to get lost in this footnote, but Jesus knew when to retreat. He absolutely knew when, like he, he constantly had his party set before him. It's not that he didn't care for those he didn't heal. Like some, it just wasn't their time. Like Jesus knew that. Jesus knew when, okay, my time here is done. It's time to move on. And we have this pattern of Jesus breaking away to have that one-on-one -on -one time, the intimacy with the fellowship of the Father, and then coming back into community, re-engaging people, his ministry, his mission. He didn't just constantly go, go, go all the time. That wasn't the nature of his, his healing power. It wasn't going to manifest in that way either. It's just like, you know, could he snap his fingers and be done? Yes, but it was all about drawing people near was it went so beyond the physical and i think jesus knew those individuals whom he healed where it would go beyond the physical it wasn't just going to be lost in that it's just the word of who i am and my love for you being made known of was is, is who and what he's about so but you're in matthew 14 and here's the son of god who used his voice to quiet the quiet the waves in Matthew 8, who proceeded to miraculously feed the 5,000, who had already previewed his identity to the disciples, yet hadn't employed his most strategic maneuver yet. Until verse 23 of Matthew 14, in which Jesus, again, he retreats to pray, 
massive ministerial stretch. He learned, oh, I forgot to mention this. He learned his cousin John the Baptist had been killed. I'm sure that wore on him a little bit. And you have these weather conditions. Uh, you know, it's, again, stormy period. It must have been quite the, the weather pattern um, for, how, for this particular week or two of ministry. And you know the audible Jesus calls it 25. Four words that really stand out to me and kind of represent the core mantle piece of this conversation. He came to them. Verse 25, he came to them. Retreats to the Father. He's now intentionally going to or walking near the disciples. He's still a far, he, he still keeps himself at a distance, but I guess he's close enough for his voice to be heard. And maybe there is some supernatural projection. Um, I, I, I'd be, I would be curious to know just how far away he was from the boat because it was far enough to where they couldn't exactly recognize him. He looked like a ghost. He was terrifying the disciples in a, in a different way. But I, I want us to really dial into those four words. He came to them and let that be the filter by which we hear the rest of this story and the rest of this podcast. It may seem anecdotal to some, but to the passage climax in verse 33, when the disciples acknowledge Jesus' identity, in fact, let's go there because that to me, it's not so much Jesus calming the water again, or, you know, and we're not even talking about Peter getting out of the boat. We will in a second here. Some people think Peter walking on water is the climax of the story. To me, it's truly you are the son of God and everyone being in unison in that. That's the climax to me. But those four words, he came to them, hits close to home to this guy in a way I couldn't possibly understand outside this current season going through the Juby journey. Because truth is, the disciples didn't call out to Jesus to come to them. (laughs) They didn't make the first move. Jesus made the first move. He called out to them so they could call back and respond accordingly. Jesus, if this is you, we want to draw near. And it's almost like Matthew 14 is like a complete reversal of Matthew 8, speaking specifically of the lake accounts. Jesus isn't arbitrarily prayer walking around waiting for something to happen. That's not what I mean by resetting into the Father and plugging into him. Conversely, he's resetting into the Father in a planning sort of way to make his presence known. So it's like he's wanting to have that individual one-on-one time, but he's also posturing himself and positioning himself intentionally. <laughs> I think Jesus, you know, he always, he was playing chess when everyone's playing checkers. I love that about him. How many times have we sensed the faint fragrance of Christ and like Peter couldn't resist the earth to confirm its realness? I, I believe probably that was in all the disciples, but Peter actually had the boldness and you could say Peter was not one to overthink. He was probably rash, spontaneous. I feel like he was just impulsive. Probably, and arguably the most impulsive disciple of the 12. But I think we should respect him in the story for breaking physics through childlike faith. He knew he couldn't control the elements. He had understood his calling in the moment to get out of the boat and draw near to Jesus. You have to recognize he's near to you to draw near. But even if you felt like Jesus was far away, why not take steps? Like, why would you not want to get anywhere close to him? And that was part of my mild vent in the past pod, just feeling like, God, I want to touch your robe. I feel like if I could just get a hand on your robe, then Juby would be healed, but you just seem so far out of reach. And I was like, I'm trying to like slow down, turn around, just stop for once. I don't feel that way as much now, but I did feel it in June and July when Juby was really sinking and we thought we were going to lose her. Through hell or high water, Peter knew what mattered most was where he was going and who he was going to, hence why he had no problem doing the only sensible doing the only sensible thing when he lost visual. 
He cried out to Jesus for a supernatural warp speed extension of the hand ever reaching into the chaos. Met with the grasp of saving grace. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Not a reprimand, mind you, but a reminder. I'm with you always and was there from the beginning. Don't ever think my hand is too short to save. So back in the NICU, I continue to marvel at this little life, Jubilee and Lee and Fry. As one who feels small often, I could resonate to a certain extent. You know, there's sometimes I feel helpless, sometimes I feel numb. <laughs> you draw the comparison to the paralytic reset. But strangely, I couldn't care less when things, when I feel like my faith is most charged. Because like Peter, if, if Jesus confesses his proximity in response, I ask him to ask me to believe the impossible. Heck yes, sign me up for that as long as I have breath. No matter how long Juby lives, no matter how many days she has ordained on this earth, I don't want to ask Jesus to save her, to save me, to save my family. If I'm not willing to walk on water, amidst the neighboring halls praying without ceasing. And I can confess I need to do a better job not just narrowing prayers in Jubilee's direction because she is one of many who need prayer and support right now, who are, you know, families. I mean, that's what the NICU is. It's like, it's not just for preemies and micropremies. It's for those who have health deficiencies that, you know, where they got to, you know, they're required to be connected to an oscillator, to a vent, to sustain life for a time. And I could just be like, hey, some of our faiths, you know, some of our spiritual walks are on that right now. It's not dead, but it's certainly, you know, relying upon something, you know, artificial, at least compared to the natural and order of things, the God's original intent. But that's another conversation for another day. For now, it's just, you know, I'm in this place where I don't want to ask Jesus to help me if I'm not willing to press in to the Father like he did in Matthew 14 if I don't make vertical reliance a priority over a given moment or assignment. And so Peter, in a bottle, I mean, let's not get too crazy here. Like, the, the storm was great. He responded how anyone else, any one of us would have responded in that moment. I mean, he, he didn't sink because he didn't have faith. He sunk because... His eyes got off Jesus. Like it was just almost like the waves coming at him. I feel like there was no way for Peter to walk the whole way. And the, the point for him in this story was not to make it all the way, but it was to get on water and to start walking towards him. And Jesus was going to be there one way or another. So it's like we, we read this as like, yeah, Peter failed. He fell short. No, he didn't. Not to me. So he started walking on water. That victory was clinched. Now, what happened after was, you know, a, a, again, that not a reprimand, but a reminder of faith just to, you know, keep, I am here with you. Keep your eyes on the prize. Don't lose sight. Don't be distracted. Um, I mean, I guess you could say that Peter wasn't perfect, but certainly I round his nature and behavior in the story up to, you know, I want to be more like him in this way. Uh, yeah, I want to be like Jesus, yes. But if I'm going to be a disciple, and I'm looking at Matthew 8 and 14 as my templates, as my guides. Yeah, sign me up to walk like Peter for sure. Especially as, you know, we got a couple more months in the queue. This is the kind of man in faith, uh, the kind of rock I want to be, not just for myself, but for my family and my friends, those I walk with. So anyway, that's all I got for today. Thank you for listening. And uh, if you have any questions, 
or better yet, any prayer requests, uh, feel free to comment or shoot me a DM. Uh, we have a comment section on our website, uh, but we're also active on social media. And probably the best way is to leave us a message through Facebook if you use it, through Facebook Messenger. And I'll get back to you as soon as possible with some guidance, direction, or some prayer points for you. So, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this chance to get real with you and to study your word together and to examine it through a whole different lens. Thank you for the amazing work you're doing in our lives, um, from the queue to our marketplace, our spheres of influence, our relationships, our individual walks and journeys. And I pray that you'll anoint, bless, and cover the steps. Uh, those who are specifically listening to this today, I pray that you'll uh, just give them a divine kiss from you. Just um, help them know just how much you love them and how unique they are. Just renew that sense in them that they are a called appointed child of God with a specific point and purpose and help them, uh, whoever's listening to this, may they experience a decrease in their fear levels if they're anxious about anything, if they're apprehensive about anything, if they are not feeling that safety in this season one way or another. I pray that uh, they will lock their eyes, that we will all lock our eyes on you. you may, we may feel like you're at a distance, but to not be so burdened by our immediate surroundings and the settings of where we're at, but just to take the next step. And they may be baby steps, but we want to take those steps in the right direction. So uh, trigger and renew our hearts. Stir them up in ways only you can, because really you are the answer to life, and we want to be handheld in stride with that answer so all right guys peace be the journey wow i just said cool runnings i just translated cool runnings i can't believe i just did that but you know how i roll as always love you guys and i'll catch you on the fry peace